0: This is Who She Knows, a podcast produced by She Knows Media, and I'm your host Elisa Camahort Page. Welcome to the show. Today we're exploring the ups and downs of turning a food blog into a cookbook, and exploring whether you should just stick with your blog or if it's time or when it's time to ramp up and do a cookbook. First, we talk to Diane Cooper. She and her husband, Todd Porter, created the food, gardening, and lifestyle blog, WhiteOnRiceCouple.com, and also co-authored the book, Bountiful, Recipes Inspired by Our Garden. Diane, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Hi, Elisa, Thanks for having me. This is a real honor. Thank you. So... Tell
0: me about your journey with food. You started as a photographer in this space. Is that
1: right? Yes. Um, well, Todd and I, we both had the same obsession with food. And Todd worked in a restaurant, mm. and I had a portrait photography studio. So yes, we I, I photographed, but at the same time at night, we kind of pursued our obsession with food by cooking and just sharing it with friends and having people over all the time.
0: Oh, that's so interesting. So you were doing portrait photography and doing sort of food photography on your own
1: time? Yeah, well, I was photographing screaming babies all day long and all weekend (laughs) long. So (laughs) it was, I never photographed food at that time. And it wasn't until we started the blog that we figured it was kind of a creative escape for us. Mm. And then, of course, each blog post needed a photo. So we just photographed our food just like anybody else who started out photographing food. Um, It wasn't that great. You can always look at our original blog posts because they're always still up there. And then it wasn't until people started reaching out when they saw our blog to want to hire us. Then I was like, really? Photograph food? Is that a career? (laughs) Does that pay the bills? Um, I might start thinking about it. And then everything just kind of evolved from there. And here we are today. So you
0: started the blog as a purely personal, it wasn't like a blog that was meant to promote you as food photographers
1: yes we started it just out of fun and no it was never meant to promote <laughs> us Because I don't think anybody crazy enough would try to promote themselves on white as white on rice couple <laughs> people thought people thought we were originally a um a porn site so oh. the first original visits were always very um they were probably very disappointed when Wow. They didn't see what they were looking. Wow! For. I would like to see your
0: early search term list. They brought people to your site. That's fascinating. I never, I never knew that. Wow! So now you start to transition to food photography as your career. Um, and mm-hmm. you're working regularly as food photographers, you're monetizing your blog. Um, what was your philosophy around the blog as it became not just connected to fun, but connected to your brands, basically, as food photographers?
1: Yeah, well, when we started out, it definitely wasn't, there was never any intention at all to monetize it, nor did we ever really understand the term branding in the beginning. <laughs> And it wasn't until um, somebody in the community reached out to us to participate in a community called BlogHer. Mm. And we thought, oh, what is that? So it's because of Blog Her that kind of introduced us more to the community and all the monetization and stuff. But originally it was just a, um, just a site to share recipes. And from there, um, it took about two and a half years of serious inquiries by readers and brands that made us realize that maybe we can make the transition over to full-time photography that we're doing now.
0: Wow. So it took you about two to three years before you started to transition or by two or three years you, you did transition?
1: It was exactly in 2011 May when um, my portrait photography studio studio had an opportunity to either renew or close. Mm-hmm. And there's just so many things in, in the photography industry back then when I was photographing and film that I realized that. Um, there just wasn't a lot of money that I had on my end to keep up with the technology. And the photographic community was changing. Mm. So that's when Todd and I realized that, you know, we're giving up a lot of opportunity, trying to nurture a business that was dying. So mm. in 2011, we just uh, finished Cold Turkey, closed the studio wow. and went immediately full time.
0: How did you feel when you, you closed that studio? That is like a final moment. There's no going backseas, I guess, on, on that. Was it scary?
1: Oh my god, I was in tears. Tears for oh. a number of reasons. Tears primarily for relief because it was a business that was um, struggling so much because it was a brick and mortar. The overhead was extremely high. I had two photo teams that had a hire and it and photography equipment and printing equipment. And I just couldn't keep up, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I was doing print photography and everything was transitioning over to digi- digital. Mm-hmm. And I was dying all throughout like 2008 when the economy um, mm. crashed. Right. But luckily when we started the blog, it kind of like something else was blossoming on the other side and they kind of balanced out. And in 2011, it was saying, you know what, let's just leave this that's making us so unhappy. Mm and exhausted and just do something that is what something we always wanted to pursue, which was food. So
0: what motivated you to finally create a cookbook? It took a few years.
1: From 2009 to about 2012, we've had different agents kind of contact us and you want to do a book. And we always said, no, no, no. And it wasn't until finally, um, we were sitting in the backyard one day and we looked at our garden and we realized, oh my God, this is like the place that brings us joy and there's so much content here. Why is it that we don't share a cookbook that is rooted in what we love which was mm-hmm. recipes from the garden and then it just kind of happened so you
0: finally decide you're ready and that you've found the the joy that is you think is worth sharing with people um tell me about the getting the deal and doing the deal portion uh, Did you had an agent i assume um were you surprised by the process of just doing the book deal
1: well um like, throughout the few years that agents were reaching out to us, there was one agent that we really kind of connected with, which was Allison Farges at Stonesong Press. Mm-hmm. And she had reached out about two years prior, prior to us reaching out back to, with to her again. But when we knew that what we wanted to do, we just emailed her and said, okay, I think we're ready. And she yeah. just uh, took lead and guided us through the whole process, which was definitely new as an author. But in terms of the photography and the content creation, we were already re- very familiar with that. So the whole process itself for um, doing the cookbook was quite easy. And we oh, really? washed all our own dishes. Yeah, it was quite easy for us. But And we washed all our own dishes, so we're... We were very, very hands-on. So how did you, you had the blog the whole time you were working on the book. What, how much time
0: did it take you from getting the book deal, you know, sign, signing on the deadline to turning in your manuscript?
1: It was about, See I think the deal was sold in August, September, September, December. And I think we turned everything in by December. Wow. So about four months. Wow.
0: That seems short Yeah, it was to really me. fast. Yeah, that seems really fast. And yeah. the whole time you're still maintaining your
1: blog, right? Yeah, we were maintaining our blog. Not, I, I guess it depends what you call maintaining, but for us at that point, because we were photographing and styling professionally and doing um, a lot of films for clients. Mm -hmm. For us, a a busy blog was maybe two to three posts a month. Mm, So that was our goal. We're not doing two or three a week. So um, that was within reach and reasonable for us because we had to set parameters. Like what's, what can we do to still have fun, but not drive, drive ourselves crazy because we don't want to lose the love of blogging. That's when we realized if we're going to do the cookbook, we're going to maintain the company that we have, we need to only do two to three posts a month. Got it. And how did you
0: decide what goes in the cookbook versus what goes on the blog?
1: It was kind of easy just because we cook a lot of vegetables anyway, and we have a garden with about over 35 fruit trees, and we're always growing things, so there's a lot of inspiration every time we stepped outside into our backyard. So our problem was always having too much content, (laughs) but not having the time to share it on the blog. So all the content that we talk about all the time went into the cookbook.
0: Most people, when they talk about any book, not just a cookbook, but they do talk about, oh, it's a lot of work. I mean, that's the thing that kind of holds me back, right? Like, oh, it's right, so right. much work. So so you say <laughs> it's easy, and I'm totally intrigued by by why.
1: Um, Well, it was easy for us for a number of reasons. First of all, we're kind of type A people anyway. We're (laughs) completely obsessive about recipes. Uh So what people would normally talk about, you know, life and family at the table, we're talking about food just because we love it so much. And um, we've already photographed about four cookbooks prior to that already. We've already been developing lots of recipes for clients and editorial and magazines. So that process was streamlined because we created a workflow to make it work for our company, which produces assets and you know photography and recipes. So transitioning over that into a personal project um, for a cookbook was a lot easier because us it was a stress free we had an amazing publisher and an amazing um agent who mm-hmm. just really supported us and said you know your audience the best you do what you think is going to be great and we're going to support you on that
0: your timing and knowing how ready you were you kind of architected that for yourself you earned that i suppose yeah. Um, So what should people know about what happens after the cookbook is published? Because I think it's something a lot of people don't realize is how the industry has changed. And there's a lot more, I think, from what I've heard, asked of the author post-publication. What should people know about that part of the the process?
1: Um, I think definitely what people should know, which was an area that we... um... I would have to say we're new, to, definitely new to and struggled with was promotion mm-hmm. because once the cookbook is in, in is bound and, and, and in your hands it is not done that's only half the journey the other half is promotion and making sure you satisfy your end of the deal which is basically selling books
0: yeah I think that that's very daunting to a lot of folks what did you find were your best what were your best channels?
1: But social media definitely I think yeah. Um gosh, the blog, Facebook, back then Twitter, I guess, (laughs) Um, (laughs) and Instagram. Um, All the social media channels were the best because that's where the audience was most engaged. Yeah. Um, And that was where like we had the most success and it continues to be this um, way right now. So
0: are you planning another book? What's next?
1: No book yet. Um, it's too big of a task. So we sat back and talked about what next steps were. And I think next steps for us are to continue what we're doing and really take time to enjoy ourselves because we worked so hard, mm-hmm. so many hours for so many years. This is the first time in a long time that we've actually had a weekend off, Elisa,
0: because
1: oh. Todd and I both came from the retail world and both photography and the restaurant that we never, ever had a weekend off. Right. So now it's it's such a splurge to <laughs> really say, it's Friday oh, my gosh, what do we want to do this weekend? We have never had that so long. So priority is just enjoying life and spending time with family, which we've been doing very proactively for the last at least two and a half years.
0: That sounds really nice. I have to try that out sometime. Uh (laughs) (laughs) It's nice. Um, So if you could give one piece of best advice for people who do aspire I think a lot of people start food blogs they start them and and they're so passionate about food and I think a cookbook is something that a lot of people dream about Um, and what what would be just your one piece of advice about how to make that dream come true for a cookbook,
1: or just every, cookbook. anything in general. For a cookbook, I would say really, really know what you want to write about. Um, mm-hmm. Have a really focused topic. Mm. And um, nowadays, there's so so much content out there. I mean, we're bombarded bombarded by content. And now even particularly cookbooks. And I would say to not be afraid to share something personal in that cookbook. Mm. Because I can go to the library, the bookstore, and pick up 20 cookbooks on pies. So if you wanted to write a cookbook on pies, to say why you love pie and share that story because that's what's really going to make it unique and make somebody want to buy your pie cookbook instead of the 30 others on the shelf. There really needs to be an identity, again, because of the fact that there's just so much content and so much talent out there.
0: Sometimes people say that it's all about a niche topic, but I also think sometimes you can talk about an everyday thing like for instance pie but if your voice is unique and you ha- you have right. a completely unmistakable voice that that is also a route to differentiate yourself into success so i think that's really really wise to know what is uniquely you whether that's the topic or the voice or you know both you guys have both right so diane thank you so much for sharing um your story but also your experience and your ideas and your um advice so i really appreciate you being on the show with us today
1: oh no thank no problem thank you so much for thinking of us
0: next up we have kathy straws She's the publisher of two cookbooks, The 8x8 Cookbook and The Ultimate Panini Press Cookbook, but she also more recently founded Burnt Cheese Press, a food-related independent publishing company. Kathy, great to have you on the show. It's great to be here. Thank you. So let's go back a ways and tell me, how did you get started in the food blogging world? Were you always a foodie? Were you always a really passionate cook? I've always been a passionate cook,
2: and I've been a passionate crafts person in general, I guess you'd say. And then when I had my first child, I decided to take a little time off. Cooking was the one of one of those many things (laughs) that I found that I could justify spending a lot of time with because Mm. we still had to eat. And I just kind of found myself taking a little bit more time with cooking. Also at the same time, I think it was probably actually when I was in the hospital with my daughter that Oprah had named the panini press as one of her favorite things, and I became intrigued with it. And then my sister actually bought me one for Christmas that year. And so here I was with a newborn and a panini press and an inkling that I wanted to do something creative while I was uh, being home with my daughter and not in an official work mode, um, but still wanted to keep a toe in the professional world. So I decided to start a blog. What was your day job before? I worked in marketing. I worked for several big brands. And um, so I had some familiarity with being a publisher, but kind of on the other side. And um, always wondered what it would be like to be a publisher myself.
0: Like I think Panini Press and I think, oh, I could make grilled cheese and for me grilled vegan cheese as you know but you know like (laughs) what made you think you could get that creative with it um you've created just I don't even know how many recipes for the panini press and and what was your inspiration well I worried that I would just use it once
2: (laughs) I was afraid (laughs) that I was afraid that um you know I would make some cool melty sandwich on that thing and then say wow that was great and then put it back in the box, and then put it up on the shelf. I have a number of appliances that are on the shelf mm. like that,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: I didn't want it to be one of those. I thought, you know, no, let's let's use this thing. Um, maybe if I start a blog about it, it will keep me accountable. I want to ah. I want to see what this can, this thing can do. As time went on, I realized that a panini press is really, you know, two heating sources from the top and the bottom. And if you think of it that way, there becomes so many more opportunities for what you could put in between. So you could put a sandwich in there, or you could put vegetables in there, just like you would on a barbecue grill. You could put, not you, but I would put a steak on there. (laughs) And, um, you know, I can cook it quicker than on a grill because I
0: don't have to flip it. And it's being grilled from both sides. And I have to say, it's interesting that you mention using the blog as an accountability mechanism. I feel like lots of blogs start out as challenges or ways that people are keeping themselves motivated. What, what did it take in terms of whether it was your own, either it's your statistics or your achievements or the number of recipes, what made you think you were ready to tackle a cookbook? Because your first cookbook obviously was about your panini recipes. So where did you when did you feel you had achieved that level?
2: Well for that book it came more externally I mean when I first started my blog I I didn't have any notions of writing a cookbook that wasn't in any way a common thing Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't know anybody who had done a cookbook and really that Julie and Julia movie Mm -hmm. um, that came out I think a year later. So that's kind of when some of the the book stuff became became a lot more um, known in the food blogging world. But I I received some offers, we'll call them, <laughs> some, some offers from um, publishers looking to do a Panini Press cookbook. And I guess one benefit of having a niche like that was there wasn't anybody else writing on this topic. Finally, a, a publisher came to me with with an offer that did sound good to me Mm -hmm. and they'd published books from authors that I had heard of and I had seen their books and and I was like well you know I hadn't set out to do this but this is all about let's see what happens and this could be a really exciting learning experience so um, I decided to take the plunge and go for it.
0: So did you have an agent I went and got an
2: agent. <laughs> I did not have an agent at the time,
0: but I um, I felt I wanted one. Okay, yeah. So I want to <laughs> walk through sort of there's the getting the book deal, there's the writing of the book, and then there's what happens after the book. So I want to walk through each of those three stages. Um, why, if you had publishers coming to you, why did you feel like you wanted an agent? Because I was completely new to the publishing world, mm. and
2: I – was just pretty sure that there would be things that I didn't know. Questions. Sometimes you don't even know what questions you're not asking. Yeah. Um, you know, I can look at an, an agreement somebody gives to me and I can tell if if it sounds fine, but I don't know if maybe anything's missing or or who knows what or are, are these terms standard? I don't know. You know, it is a little bit of a you have to take a little bit of a leap. You know, obviously your agent takes a commission, but right. you know for for me it is well worth it to be sure that i've got a deal that makes sense and and you know your the agent is also able to get you a little bit better deal than you know than you would have got on your own too so all in all i was definitely glad that i
0: that i went that route okay so you were glad in the end you felt it delivered some return on investment i guess for that oh, cut oh yes. yes okay great so now let's talk about your experience writing the cookbook what percentage of recipes in the cookbook were just recipes from your blog fewer than half was that guidance given to you by the publisher or was that they don't want people to think oh well why do I need this book I can just
2: go to their blog obviously they've got plenty of recipes there Mm -hmm. so it was definitely um uh, of importance to my publisher that a good percentage you know more than half not appear on my blog got it and... which is challenging when you're still trying to write the blog right <laughs> to be working so... on all these recipes that that can't really see the light of day it's like ah oh, but um so how did you decide what goes in the blog
0: and what goes in the book
2: well sometimes had to do with seasonality because mm-hmm. um, when you're writing a book too you don't always have the luxury of of making recipes at the proper time of year mm. <laughs> you may have to make something you know with apples right in the middle of spring or whatever so sometimes that would that would be why. I mean, I would I would only put things on my blog that, you know, would probably make sense for the season. Probably if I did two, I would just pick one that week. <laughs> you know, one goes on the blog, one doesn't. I did have to make quite a few at that time. So we were just, I was just turning, making lots and lots of sandwiches and lots of other things. Who ate all that food? My husband. <laughs> he brought a lot of things to work. Uh, we ate a lot of them at home, of course. And my neighbor's and friends received deliveries, too.
0: So how long did it take you from signing the deal to turning in your manuscript? Um, about one year for that one. Wow. And was that driven by, like, could you have done it quicker? Or That was driven more by me. I haven't re- really heard of too many people
2: taking that long to do um. A cookbook, I know a lot of people are, they want the books done in three months or six months, which for me is just not doable. Right. <laughs> but at the time I had, well, in addition to trying to keep my blog up, I had a two and four-year-old children and it was just not possible for me to do as many recipes. Well, I did 205 recipes. Wow. And I kind of did my back of the envelope math and realized that I was going to need some time. And um, because I also did the photography.
0: Oh, Wow. So post yeah. book coming out, something I've heard just not even just cookbooks, but across the board is that the publishing industry has changed a lot and the marketing you can expect from the publisher has declined a lot and that you end up busting your ass basically to promote your own cookbook. Would you agree to that statement?
2: Uh, well, I can't compare to how it used to be, but just from what I understand in the the good old days with the big splashy book tours and all that. yeah, yeah no, that a lot of <laughs> a lot of um the marketing is expected to be shared, I guess we can say shared by mm-hmm. the author. <laughs> so my publisher had some marketing resources, which is great. You know, sometimes if people have publicists, mm-hmm. that's something that the authors usually footing the bill for
0: so given you know people talk about how tough things are for publishers and you decided to become one what what motivated <laughs> you to do that and how did you research what that was going to take it just seems like a big undertaking to me
2: well try to take it apart piece by piece you know mm-hmm. um, well so a large part of the research is on the job training. I've also took some time to speak with people who have published books independently and a few of them referred me to different resources online. There was a, uh, a book by Guy Kawasaki. it's APE, so I guess it's author publisher editor. Mm-hmm. anyway, it's an, it's an ebook and it was really, really, very helpful. know was it was very action or actionable going through the motions of taking my own manuscript, hiring a team to edit it, produce it, Print it, distribute it, promote it, mm-hmm. all that. I mean, that's being a publisher. So I've my learning curve has been, you know, straight vertical.
0: Okay, and if, how many non-books uh, by other authors have you published? Well, that is yet to be done. That's why we're still in the learning phase. Oh, okay. So you've been um, doing all the beta testing on your own book. Yes. Well, I t-
2: certainly had to go through the the motions of okay, how do you actually do this? You know, first of all, and yeah. now the big outstanding question is. How do you set up so that someone else would want to be published by me versus by, you know, a big publisher? I mean, I think a lot of people think about self publishing as being something shoddy or something where you stapled together pieces of paper at Kinko's or whatever and you're trying to sell yeah. it. You know, I recently went to an event uh, for independent book publishers and they had. Everyone, it was a an awards ceremony, and all the books that had been nominated were out on tables, and I was just like, God, I wish everyone could see the, these tables and know that this is what independent book publishing looks like. It looks exactly like your Barnes and Noble. I mean these these books are they're wonderful, they're beautiful, and they were all published by the people in this room, hmm. and um, you know it's it's pretty eye opening, and you know with advances in technology and, you know, for better or for worse, Amazon, <laughs> it's never been easier to to be able to get your book out, published and out, out there side by side with all the other books, kind of, I dare say, competing, you know, with uh, traditionally published books. And it's, um, you know, for readers, I would say most readers aren't too particular about who published the book, as long as it is a good book, good quality. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Well, and I also think there's more, and burnt cheese sort of is one of, example of this, more options between, I don't even know if there are big five publishers anymore. There's probably like big three. Not sure how many With there consolidation, are. consolidation. <laughs> there's also, I think, a growing number of publishers like you that are sort of hybrid and are meant to be independent and relatively small um, but provide services you know
2: right because there are a lot of people i mean when i first announced that i was starting Burt Chiefs press i did get quite a few you know messages in my inbox of people who were interested in working me when i'm working with me when i'm ready because for a lot of people the the process of figuring out all that stuff with the distribution and the marketing and the production it's not interesting to them or it's not part of their skill set. Right. They would really like to do the writing and maybe the photography and the recipe development. Yeah. And yep. so it's like, like I said, um, that's where I can come in because I actually, I do like that other stuff too. I loved, I love to do the writing and photography, but I really also like to get my hands into some of those other behind the scenes areas.
0: So if you were going to give one piece of advice to an aspiring cookbook author who's just trying to figure out if this is a path worth pursuing, where would you tell them to start?
2: Well, one thing is to see if
0: your idea has
2: legs. Things like Instagram, I mean, that's one benefit that we have as bloggers is that we are able to get that instant feedback Um, You know, if you already have a blog and you start posting or if you've already been posting on the topic that you're thinking of for your cookbook, you'll have some instant feedback on whether it is popular. If nobody's caring, then that might be, you know, maybe this isn't quite the angle yet. And I guess it's important to know uh, what is your ability to reach your intended audience. So whether you're, I guess, yeah, whether
0: you are going to publish it yourself or whether
2: someone else is, it's an important question to answer.
0: Well, Kathy, thank you so much for spending this time with us and sharing your wisdom from both sides of having really researched what it means to be a publisher and having actually been the author of two different um, cookbooks. I think it was really helpful advice for people, um, you know, at multiple stages of their journey on deciding how, whether it's for them and how to proceed. So thank you again for, for being with us today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I appreciated that. Up next, we have Elise Bauer. She's the creator of the blog Simply Recipes, which has been the world's largest food blog and was recently acquired by Fexy Media this past April. Elise, welcome to the show.
3: Hello, Elisa. Thank
0: you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk to you today. And as you probably know, I think I've told you before, I love your food blog origin story a lot. So can you just briefly share how you got started?
3: Well, I... It it started in 2003. I had been sick for several years. I was living in San Francisco and I'd come down with a flu that just wouldn't go away. And after two years of trying to recover on my own, I just sort of threw in the towel and gave up and moved home with my parents in Sacramento. And at that point, I, I had not worked for a couple of years. I was not getting better and at around the same time I started this food blog and while I was home with my parents I figured well I'm too sick to do any real normal work but I can at least learn how to cook from my mom and dad who are both great home cooks. <laughs> I've been collecting recipes from them for a while but it's only when I moved home with them that I focused on it because um, I didn't have anything else to do. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> So and you, uh,
3: yeah, that was that's how it all started.
0: You started multiple blogs, but the food one was the one that that really caught fire, isn't that so?
3: Yeah, I I sort of I had given myself one year to just do whatever I wanted that I could do with the energy levels that I had, which were pretty low, and and I started a. a let's see, a music blog, a book review blog, a marketing blog, a recipe blog, <laughs> uh, sort of a random catch. I just I just decided I was going to take everything that was in my brain and stick it out on the web. And what I found was that um, it's very hard to write about music. Um, I found with books that I would get complaints from kids that they couldn't use my book reviews as, um, <laughs> as for their book reports. <laughs> like they, they were trying to plagiarize and they just – it just wasn't good enough. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I know, right? And marketing was really hard. It was like, I was interested in, but it was hard to write about and not that many people read it. But when I wrote a recipe for oxtail stew, thousands of people would look for the recipe online and find it. And I would get, I would get people writing me and leaving comments about this one kind of uh, classic recipe. And I found that 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 was just recipes were the easiest things to write about and also the subject that was most fun for me and gave me joy mm-hmm. and ultimately it's just about love and when i was sick i i sort of used the recipe writing and as a way just to focus on the most positive aspects of my my situation and of life. Um, So you became, you were early, you had a technical
0: know-how, like you were thinking about things like SEO before, in relation to blogs, before I think a lot of bloggers were. So you Mm -hmm. became, and you had very consistent content and very service-oriented, like giving people these great recipes they could make. So you became the most well-trafficked and prominent pure food blogger really pretty early on and sustained mm-hmm. that for years and years. And so I have to believe that you were asked about doing a cookbook pretty regularly.
3: Yes, I have been pursu- pursued over the years.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, this whole episode is sort of about, you know, wanting to do a cookbook and and steps to do so and, and how the experience is. But I wanted to represent I think also the point of view which which I confess that I hold a little bit too which is that uh, I'm not sure I really like a book is a lot of work and um, Mm -hmm. everyone talks about the publishing industry with a lot of like they're practically writing their obituary it's obituary so I Mm -hmm. have this sense of reluctance and resistance and so Um, I did want to represent that point of view a little bit about, you know, it's not the be all and end all to get to a cookbook right away. And I wanted to know what held you back. I mean, what has now been 13 years of being a top food blogger? What was your what held you back?
3: Well, I think the the first thing is that it was never my ambition to write a cookbook. Mm -hmm. And I think for many people, it is their ambition. And it's never been my ambition I'd actually love to be an author. I just but the being a cookbook author has never ever 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 been an ambition of mine. In in this field, people want to be food writers. They want that. I always wanted to be a publisher. I wanted to be an online publisher and I did that with Simply Recipes. So um, and that's still what interests me. Um, and so when I look at the project, I think, oh my gosh, that's a lot of
1: work. <laughs> like,
3: <laughs> like, how could I possibly fit this in on top of everything else that it takes to run this very large, demanding website?
0: Would you say that over the last 10 years, um, there was ever a point in time where you regretted not having one, where you thought, ah, if I had a book, this would have been awesome?
3: Um, yeah, I think right now I wish I had a book. I mean, I just mm. wish I had one. I wish I like their, magic <laughs> I, I wish I had something tangible Um, at this point. I think mm-hmm. that I would take a lot of pride in it and it also helps you from a, a brand perspective it, it helps it helps the outside world give you more credibility if you yeah. can put the word author next to your name mm-hmm.
0: most people would fantasize about getting as far as you've gotten without having to do one. So, I mean it's it's obvious that if you if you are super driven and super talented and super cons- consistent, the cookbook is not a necessary tool in your toolkit to achieve significant success. I mean, that's, that's That's right. ipso facto, right? And it's just obviously true. Um, but it's that um yeah, it's that tangible kind of like adding letters after your name only it's author
3: i think there's another part of it too which is um a fear of failure i am i look at some of my friends books and i think oh my gosh these are so good Mm. these books are so great i don't think i don't know if i've got it in me to do something that's as good as this and why would i want to do anything if it wasn't great right i mean there are lots of ways to be successful without that is really true I mean just look at all the people that are doing so well with their YouTube channels mm-hmm. um, and, totally. and and Instagram I mean yeah. you can build a brand and a presence without even a blog yep yeah build, and got, that's
0: so different from when we, we both started you know when the blog right. was the center of the universe
3: right and you know and it could be that for our you know our over you know, 40 generation, the books are more important to, to, than to mm. the 20-year-olds. I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think where everything is moving right now is much towards much more towards video. I think there will be a place for books, but I don't know how it how important it is for the younger, younger people in the field to actually go out and pursue that versus trying to build a presence in some of these other media.
0: You now, I wanted to ask you, because your blog is somewhat famously... It's not about your personal storytelling woven into every recipe. And there are blogs like that. Um, It's driven by the service of these wonderful recipes that any home cook can make and share that love. Even though your blog is not like that, have you considered a book like that?
3: I always try to come from the perspective of, is this going to be some valuable insight to have positive impact on someone's life? Right. I know when I, um, come up with a really good recipe that people can use to feed themselves and their families and that they're going to be successful that that's something of value that's something I've created or done that I'm putting out there in the world that people can take and it makes their lives better. So what is it about my story that can do something similar? and if and there may may be something in there this sort of, the being in a situation that's in a really dark place and crawling my way out of it mm-hmm. may be an inspirational story for people. And if I could put it together that way and write about it well enough, then, then that would be great. I think, you know, if, if people could uh, get value out of it, because I think sometimes when, when life hits you from all sides and you just can't, don't even want to get up it's good to know that other people have been in similar dark places and have, have managed their way, way out of them. But, you know, perhaps I could weave that into the cookbook too. I don't know. I mean, I, when I was first putting together an idea for a cookbook, I wanted it to be, the concept was um, coming home because mm-hmm. for me that story mm-hmm. of, of the getting over the chronic fatigue being back at home and all of the recipes that came out of that. And when I talk to publishers, they're, uh, no, all we really need is the best of simply recipes. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, All right. Well,
0: I actually really think it's refreshing to to talk about the trade off that is involved and even whether you're big or small whether you have a big reach or not a big reach whether you you know it's 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 a trade off every every minute you spend on a cookbook is a minute you're not doing something else Um, And there's a lot of minutes involved. So I think it's a realistic perspective that I wanted to bring our audience who have a dream, you know, like you have a vision of what they can do, but don't really know everything that's involved. And I'm I I think it's awesome to just talk about that openly and say, you know, there's a whole bunch of reasons that doing a cookbook may not be for you. And that's that's okay too. Or it has to come Mm -hmm. at just the right time. So I really appreciate you telling your story.
3: Well, thank you, Elisa. It's always a pleasure to talk with you.
0: You as well. That's it for this episode of Who She Knows, a She Knows Media podcast. I'm your host, Elisa Camahort page Chief Community Officer of She Knows Media. Please tweet me at Elisa C. or leave a message for us on either the blog, her or She Knows Media Facebook page. Or now you can email us at podcast at We would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening.